Welcome to Anything But Routine. Today, before we get to the podcast, we want to announce our new site, digitaldanceinstruction.com. This site has videos from experts from all across the dance industry. It features former New York City ballet dancer Deanna McBurdie and tons more. Go find out at digitaldanceinstruction.com. That again is digitaldanceinstruction.com and start your free seven-day trial. Today on the podcast, we have Kristen Patterson. I'm going to let Cindy introduce Kristen. It is my pleasure to introduce Kristen Patterson, KP Terry. Kristen brings a wealth of creative talent and production experience to live events. Over her 25-year career, she has produced live events for clients including Mercedes-Benz of North America, Lowe's Home Improvement, Disney, NFL Network, Nike, MTV, Calvin Klein, Boys and Girls Clubs of America, and many others. A highlight has been a triennial five-day event for the Lutheran Church of America for 36,000 high school youth. She has played a key role of Super Bowl halftime and pregame shows, Olympic opening and closing ceremonies, award shows, inaugural galas, political conventions, festivals, tours, and feature films. Kristen has been part of once-in-a-lifetime events, doing everything from creative director to staging director, producer to choreographer. She specializes in working with and orchestrating casts and logistics from 10 people to 8,000 people. She was assistant show director for the Emmy Award-winning 2002 Salt Lake City Olympic Games opening and closing ceremonies and creatively contributed to the 96 Atlantic Olympic opening and closing ceremonies, 22 Super Bowl halftimes and pregame shows. Her special skills include creating large-scale visual images using people and a wide variety of props. She takes pride in taking ordinary people and making them a part of something extraordinary. She is an Emmy-nominated producer for her work on the CNN Heroes, and she has been an integral part of televised events, including the Academy Awards, the Emmy Awards, Billboard Music Awards, and the Grammy Awards, Little Mermaid Live, Stand Up to Cancer, NHL Winter Classic Stadium Series, 2002 Major League Baseball's All-Star Game and World Series, the MTV Video Music Awards, the Presidential Inaugural Galas, and the International Special Olympics opening ceremonies along among others. She's also been part of several motion pictures, including Justin Bieber, Never Say Never, High School Musical 3, Jonas Brothers, The 3D Concert Experience, Hannah Montana, and Miley Cyrus. Best of both concert movie in 3D and Billy Ling's Long Halftime Walk. I am so excited to be here with KP, Kristen Patterson, Terry, and I thank you so much for doing this because I know how extremely busy you are, so I greatly appreciate it. And we go so far back, and, and you're one of the most incredible people I love to talk about, so it's just exciting for you to be able to talk to these kids today and share all your successes and just everything. So welcome, and thank you for being here. Well, thanks for having me. It's a great invitation. It's good to be back around just for kicks and get to talk to you, one of my favorite people in the world. 
Well, thank you. And it's so fun when I think about the good old days of all the stuff we used to do and all the fun we had and skits and all these crazy times. It was great. Some of my best friends are made through camp staff. So, okay. So one of the lines I use when I describe you is you're not one of those people who waits around and waits, you know, waits for things to happen. You're a person that like makes them happen. And I always laughed that one time I couldn't find you at an Outback Bowl and you were up in the, uh, you probably don't even remember this. You were up in the VIP lounge place talking to people. You're just such a mover and shaker. So um, I wanted to just ask a little bit about how you got started with all the cool things you do. Now, I'm just going to preface it with you. You, what do you call yourself? Like with the Emmys and the Oscars, you're not, you're not a producer, but you're a, I know it is different on every show because my roles are so diverse. I think, you know, yeah. when it, uh, um, more of a field show or a thing like that, it's a choreographer, a field director, um, a producer for that. But if I'm on the Oscars or Emmys or an award show, then I'm more of the audience executive or someone who's like pulling together all the things that are happening in the audience during the show with ticketing and seating and that kind of thing. So they're just different titles for all that stuff, but basically you know, running the house in the, for award shows. Yeah. And I, I got to go to one and watch you do it. And it was so incredible. So that was one of my neatest experiences. So how did you get started actually? Well, I mean, I know a little bit, but go ahead and share. It's a funny story. Actually, I was working in your office doing an internship on a spring break in college and it was late. It was like 6.30 or 7 and your phone rang and I just happened to pick it up. I mean, I don't even know why I would have picked it up because it was after business hours, but I did. And um, it was someone from California that was looking for someone who could chart a show, a field show for the International Special Olympics that were coming to Minneapolis that summer. And um, I was just talking to him and I ended up interviewing with, um, with them and with J uh, Jim and Judy Bates, who are old time amazing choreographer people and started working with them. And then they introduced me to a bunch of people that are like travel around and do these kind of special shows. And I just uh, did the, I, I was a assistant choreographer on that show with them. And then um, my relationship with them, they ended up hiring me to go on tour and be a tour manager for a weird, amazing, life-changing, uh, uh, industrial show uh, that taught kids about chemistry and how much fun chemistry can be. Um, and we did that thinking and dancing and acting. We blew up Barney, if you remember that purple dinosaur. I mean, it was like a really fun show. And we had, you know, real actors and singers and real tech. It was like bringing a laser light show to like your school assembly. But um, I toured with them for three years and met people and would do little shows with them between that tour. Um, and then um, the Minneapolis uh, got a Super Bowl, Super Bowl 26, and it was through kind of knowing all those kind of people that mm -hmm. are like the gypsies and move. I got hired on that and met Judy Chabola, and then she had brought me on to the Olympics in 1996 to be an assistant choreographer. So then through her, I met you know, Don Misher and Kenny Ortega, two amazing producers and industry people, and stayed in touch with them and then ended up working with them on different projects. So it's really it was a twist of fate from the phone call I picked up in your office after hours and then just kind of, you know, continuing to network or meet people. And, and it was awesome. Wow. And you've worked on how many Super Bowls now? Okay. Um... Well, 26 was my first, and there are some that skipped in the middle, but I think it's 22 
22 different shows. And then premiums we started. Oh, I'm losing. I know. It's kind of crazy. It's evolved. I mean, the Minneapolis one was like a old school with choreography and singing and dancing and costume changes. And we did shoe changes. I mean, and we were, it was like, we call it the kitchen sink because there was like props and things and everything was moving all the time and hundreds and hundreds of people. Like I went back and looked at that show. I'm like, how do we do that? That was pretty awesome. There's a lot going on. And then it moved like in 2000 to like them wanting to put crowds on the field. So that was a whole different vibe getting, you know, trying to organize uh, a crowd actually because it looks like it's not planned but it's very planned and very meticulous and we have to do it the same every time so then that genre of Super Bowls came where they just wanted crazy fans on the field and then it's kind of evolved to where we've been able to incorporate a little more choreography and um, blocking and things that are more planned into the halftime shows so it's different every it's different every time one of the things I was amazed at when I was at a couple of the Super Bowls just watching you work was how you had such a limited time to get the stages onto the field. Wasn't it, isn't it like you have under five minutes and you have 500 stage hands moving all these stages onto the field and you have five minutes to get that done and they're electrical. So they all have to be plugged in and working. Tested. It's like all the screens and the lights and the special effects and all that stuff has to come in and plug in. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, that's crazy choreography within itself. It's like, it's a different kind of choreogra choreography. It's choreographed people moving and stage moving. Yeah. Okay, so um, what, would you, what would your 18 year old self tell your current self? Oh, wow, okay. So I would tell myself to just to relax that everything's gonna be okay. Um, I would say that your 18 year old self is not gonna be the person who you are in 10 years. So just to cut yourself a break. Um, I would say to work hard and have as many experiences as you can because every experience can, it shapes who you are, big or small, um, to notice things, take mental notes, like just be aware of what's kind of going around. Um, work hard because I know now people notice and when I'm trying to look around for people, uh, I notice the hard workers um, and I would tell myself, I guess that especially and to be a great listener because you can learn so much just by listening and taking it in and being a great observer um, to be a positive energy for people because people notice that too and just to keep keep your head up be positive have that positive energy people like to be around that that kind of thing and to be on time was super yeah. important yeah um, take pride in your work, travel, expand, you know, just expand your scope because that helps you filter, make decisions later. So, I mean, I, every, every tiny little even travel thing to see different cultures, how that works helps form, you know, decisions now. And um, even the smallest experience can be a learning something to take away. And some of the things I did when I was young that I thought were so dumb, I still draw on some of those things you know, because you learned from it, maybe what not to do and maybe what to do. So exactly. I, I didn't mention, I should mention also that you were a Wyzetta Trojet because um, a lot of these kids know Wyzetta. And so that's actually how I met you early on. And I should have mentioned that earlier. Okay, so um, what, is, what is one of the biggest challenges you've ever had to overcome with one of the shows you've been working on or one of the events? 
You know, I, I'm trying to think there's always a, a challenge and I, I was trying to think of a, a, a big one, but I think, you know, doing live television and these things where you don't get to stop and go back and do it again is makes you just have to be even more of a planner. So I think there's challenges on every show and I can't think of like any one particular uh, situation other than, you know, just, uh, I guess it's more personal. I don't, just not doubting myself and having to advocate for myself is a challenge because you, you know, I often just want to lay back and uh, I guess the proof is in the pudding. I kind of always think like if I work hard and I do a good job, people will notice. But what I also know is the biggest challenge is you have to advocate for yourself. You have to not have self doubt. You have to like put yourself in a position where you can have a voice and be a voice to those that are around in the decision makers making decisions. You have to give yourself the opportunity to succeed. So I think my, my biggest challenge isn't necessarily not at the last minute to pivot and do something different. Mine's more just like, okay, having the confidence to know we can overcome any challenge, you know, if we, or I, figure it out. <laughs> um, and you're kind of, are you primarily in a men's world, would you say, or is it female driven? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, a huge challenge as well. I mean, when I first started, I mean, in this live events kind of situation is very male heavy and um being a woman coming in is a challenge and you know giving creating opportunity and being a voice and putting myself around the table with the men and and speaking up and listening um i think i was one of the first women in this genre of tv that was pregnant and had a baby and it was kind of uh paved the way for a lot of other women in my genre that it was okay to get married and have kids and still you could still have a career there's a lot of old school brains uh there that the the guys at, at the time anyway this was a while ago um that would you know think everyone needed to show up in the office at 9 a.m and you didn't leave till the work was done which was sometimes 9 or 10 p.m and that's hard to do with the family so yeah. um when the doors by saying, you know, we could go home and we can take care of our kids and we can call in and we can still be productive, but not have to physically be in an office. And so it feels good to talk to other women who are, you know, around my age and we all had kids, you know, about the same time and talk about how it's changed for the better. So it's great. That is awesome. So tell us um, a couple of things I want to know if you've had like a, a major snafu on different shows or like where you're just like going, how, how is this ever going to pull off? Yeah, let's talk about that first. <laughs> well, that happens all the time. I mean, I guess when you're in creative sessions with people, you know, well, if I come up with the idea, then I have to execute the idea sometimes. So there's always snafus and always like, how are we going to accomplish this? But in terms of like things that didn't go the way they should go, um, there was the uh, mostly like half times I think about that because really, I mean, you have that brief moment of time for everything's got to go right but um for the prince halftime show it rained which also made it iconic but we lost all ability to communicate we couldn't talk to the people on the field we couldn't call um the cues from the control room down to the the field there was no walkie communication there was no the lights were like 
shorting out because of the rain. I mean, we were like all luckily well rehearsed. So people were just doing it from memory, but that was, that was crazy. I mean, it was, that was the craziest time when you just were like sitting there like, Oh, I hope, I hope it goes all right. So rain. <laughs> yeah, it rained. I mean, and it shorted out everything. So there was that. And then um, the Dallas halftime show, which was black eyed peas. Uh, it was awesome. Cause we got this, these great uh, led suits that had to be, but, it was before like now the technology now, but it was no, physically. And, and I was involved in that. And yes, yeah. you guys created the, the costumes. Um, so we had to manually touch to change the color. So it, it needed some rehearsing and it, we only, you know, these costumes were cutting edge basically at the time. And we, uh, it snowed and iced in Dallas. So we never rehearsed that show. We never rehearsed it in true lighting. We never, to put the whole cast in it and you know, we were doing something groundbreaking at the time to never really get to rehearse like how they touched it or what if you touch the wrong button so everyone else is green and you turned yours red you know or we we did it I think once in the daytime hours on Saturday before the Sunday which is insane and then we did it for the show I mean that was the snow and the ice made it so we never did the show in its entirety in the true condition that I I remember how cold it was and how icy and like Allie and I were the, and Terry, we were the only ones on the highway because no one else knew how to drive in ice. And like we were going all over and everything was canceled and it was just funny. So canceled. They can put them on the buses because the schools won't let them get on the buses. I mean, it was oh, yeah. never, we, we were private coaches to try and pick people up to bring them in on Saturday because the schools just wouldn't allow kids to try. Anyway, yeah, it was, that was a little bit crazy. Um, and I have one other really kind of random uh, example as I was thinking. So the Maroon 5 halftime show, uh, we had drones. It was the first time indoor drones had ever been used. And so um, it was very complicated and uh, the technology is series of for these drones fly. And in all of our rehearsals, they would all shut off due to like a safety thing. They would just just not fly so and this was like kind of a pinnacle part of our creative they spelled something out as heartfelt as beautiful it was never been done before so um our last dress rehearsal days they were still shutting themselves off and no one could figure out why but it turns out um they're so smart that a satellite that was orbiting over the stadium a few days before the show was um sending a random signal down and they would safety turn off so we found out that we just had to call someone uh at, at who manned the satellite and they could literally flip a switch and turn the satellite off oh. and then during our show we would call someone and they would flip a switch or you know when we were clear and they'd turn the satellite back on I mean it's the the craziest thing but I mean we're on pins and needles until the show and they took off and, and went but I mean isn't that like insane that it's just one person that looks like a light switch that can control or affect crazy crazy and it's it's amazing that you figured it out that's weird so um, here's my next question. You know, I feel like kids, I've coached, this is my 43rd year, crazy, or 44th, I don't know. But it's changed so much that kids are on their cell phones all the time. And I am too. You know, I, I love it. But um, social media, I feel all that. But what do you, do you have any advice on kids going out into the world, like to get a great job and, you know, when to be on your social media and maybe when not to be? I mean, I think the, the thing that's more and more evident is that once it's out on the internet, it doesn't go away. 
people track it. I know for inter interviews and people, that's one of the criteria. Now they look up your social media history and what you've done and it's all available. So, I mean, just, I would say to be careful coming up, but be careful. Cause once it's out there, truly, I mean, we can find every, find anything, you know, basically you can't, I would say balance, you know, there's nothing more important than human interaction and just being present and taking in the things around you. Um, and that, you know, social media and all that is great. And in this, um, today being connected is super important, but there's also the importance in just the art of communicating with people and humans and, um, taking that in, you know, the art of patience and not having instant gratification by able, by being able to Google things and then find out, like, I just feel like, um, it's all about just balance, knowing when to set it down, knowing how to, to just be wholly around and available uh, right. with humanity. <laughs> not miss out on opportunities that you're in right then because you're not present, you know? It, exactly. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We want to wish you guys a happy holidays from all of us at Just for Kicks.